morning, Chuck. How are you? Good, Tamara. Good. How are you? Good morning. Great. Hi, Alexis. How are you? I'm good. I'm hot, but I'm good. Oh, I know. It's been so hot. Is it hot where you are, Chuck? Not terrible. 80s. Still, still a little muggy, but not not terrible. Oh, that's nothing. Yeah, we're like we're we're like on fire up here, like a hundred a hundred plus. It's supposed to get up in the hundred the teens. It's like oh. Oh yeah, yeah, no, nothing. It's just like relentless. That. I think it's the dog days, the last of the dog days, right? Yeah, there's always that push into September that goes a little too long. I think sometimes. Yeah, exactly. So how's the house? How, how, how are you enjoying the house? You getting all settled in? Yeah, yeah, it's doing good. Yeah. Um, definitely making some good progress and, and, uh, yeah, it's going well. Thank you. Wonderful. Fantastic. Well, I know Miss uh, Alexis is in the process of moving soon. So, uh, uh, Chuck just got through going on through all that, Alexis. You're on mute. That's Sorry, right. I missed yeah. that. I'm, I can't hear us so good right now. Um, with these oh, I was just saying, ACs. Uh, I was just, yeah, I was just saying that Chuck just got through moving his, his whole family. They got a new house and they moved. I was saying that you are in the process of moving yourself. I am. And Chuck, if you're good at it, feel free to come, you know, <laughs> highlight those skills. <laughs> True. <laughs> you can always use help. I profess no expertise. Like yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my only advice is uh, space out your uh, your moving far long enough that you forget how hard it is to move. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, kind of like having a baby, right? Like you know, you know, when you do it a couple times back to back, you're like, "What am I doing? And why do I have so much stuff?" But if you just forget, you know, long enough, and you're like, "Oh, I can do that again. Uh-huh. Yeah, no problem." <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't that hard, really. And you're like, in the moment, it's like really heavy lifting. Okay, I know some of our people are still, some of the regulars are going to be joining us, and um, uh, we, we welcome everyone in the listening lounge, too. Um, I'm going to go ahead and open the group because we have quite a bit of content today. We're wrapping up, you know, our multiplier versus diminisher group, uh, book today, and I uh, want to give us time to talk about this. So I'm just going to go ahead and open, and I know people will <clears throat> be coming in to join us shortly here. So um, I just want to... Uh, let let everyone know that this is the Learning to Lead Clubhouse, where we meet every Saturday morning from 9.30 to 10.30 in the morning Pacific Standard Time. I'm Tamara White, and I'm here with Kelly White, and we're your hosts, along with our moderators, Chuck Mounts Jr. and Alexis Stern. And a shout out to them, uh, to Chuck and Alexis. We're so grateful to have them as our moderators, and um, they're also coaches, and so we are very fortunate to have them join this team and, and this clubhouse to really enrich our conversation. And so this clubhouse we created is a forum to talk about everything in leadership, you know, these challenges you experience, the achievements, and really everything in between. And in addition, it's a forum to really learn and hone your, your leadership skills by investing in yourselves, yourselves and also the others in the room. And there's leaders that join us here in these discussions from all levels and all industries, and they bring a broad diversity of experience and perspectives with them. And so whether you're an entry-level leader or a seasoned leader, this is a great forum to be part of because you can learn and support each other um, on your leadership journey. We learn a, t- a ton of stuff in here. We typically bring quite a bit of non, um, uh, non-traditional, non that's not the word I want to say, but uh, more kind of like thought-provoking content versus some of the fundamental things, but we still cover a lot of the fundamental pieces of, of leadership as well. So... Um, I just want to remind everyone that, you know, you can follow it, the learn to, Learning to Lead Clubhouse by clicking on the greenhouse up icon up at the top of the of your screen. And then also encourage you to follow others in the room to build your network with like-minded leaders. And then you can also uh, help us out by sharing the room by clicking on that icon below. And just you can just share the, 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 uh, the room and it'll go out to your followers. And we have a couple of ways you can communicate with us. You can chat with us within the features here. Or you can get a hold of us on Instagram or our Substack website. Website. Um, we do uh, re- we post replays and recaps of our, all of our discussions, and we post those out on LinkedIn. But primarily, I would really encourage everyone to subscribe to our Substack website, where you can access all the content 
that we've uh, talked about over the last couple of years, as well as lots of other great resources that have been shared by the various leaders that joined us in this clubhouse. So thanks for everybody for making time on a Saturday morning, on a weekend to come join us. And I'm going to yield the mic over to Kelly to get us going. Thanks, Tamara. Um, and yes, I, thank you everyone for being here. I know we were just talking about the fact that it's very hot in the West Coast uh, right now, and it's the last, well, I guess the last weekend of summer. I guess Labor Day is the close of summer. So um, happy that you're here. And if you're listening live or you're listening on a replay, we appreciate you making the time to invest in your own learning and development and growth as a leader. Um, so we do have a lot of great content. So we're going to jump in um, and start with what's always my favorite uh point of our conversations, which is the the word of the week. And again, uh, a theme that will come up frequently in our conversation. A lot of things that we we do and a lot of learning that we have as leaders and a lot of the success that we you know can really achieve starts first with our own self-awareness. It starts first with the work on understanding who we are as individuals, what our goals are, and really making sure that we're constantly tuning in with ourselves to, to really check on how we're showing up. And again, that, this will come up a lot as we wrap up multipliers because it's a big concept of you know, understanding how you're showing up as a leader and what impact that may have on others. So with that, I would love to just round table really quickly with everyone and hear, you know, how your week was and maybe keeping track of that to see where you have peaks and valleys to know that not everything is permanent. It will end, it will pass, but to make sure you're tuning in and making, making time, even if it just means checking in at the end of the week and writing down one word to wrap up how your week went. And so with that, I'm actually going to start with Emrita. Emrita, good to have you here. Hi, good morning. I'm I'm so happy to be back. I know I've been gone for so many weeks. Uh I my word of the week would be um maybe relaxed. Um we have an upcoming 50 year celebration next week, so things have been pretty uh re- getting a bit more relaxed and then we had a week off company wide just um a well-being week to celebrate and enjoy our time away from work um so last week was pretty good back back from time off great to hear and very exciting that y'all are celebrating a big anniversary and great that you had some time off especially as the summer comes to a close so hopefully that won't be the end of the time off but i'm glad you had some tamson good morning Good morning, everyone. Welcome back, Amrita. Um, my my word is going to be busy. I've got really digging into my role, and it's I've got a lot of things. We actually delivered a production database into our monitoring tool this week, so big success there. So yeah, busy was good. Good, good but busy. Great to hear. Yes, those good, busy, productive days. You know, and weeks we kind of they they happen. And there, um, I was talking with Tamara recently, and I, she used a term that. That you know, exhausting but exhilarating, right? When it's like really, really busy, but it's good work and it's progress and it's productive. Chuck, uh, I will go with happy. Um, we resolved the car situation, which was great. But then we also um, something that we've been planning for a little while was uh, getting a new puppy, and we picked her up on Tuesday, and um, that's just been a ton of fun. And she's she's so fun to play with. What t- what kind of dog? I have to know. She's eight weeks. She's a Cavalier King Charles Spaniel. Oh, congratulations. Thank you. Congratulations. Puppies are fun, and that's a very, very cute dog. So enjoy that. Um, and I love, you know, I love Chuck that, you know, a lot of time we were talking about what you just even hit on in, in previous of moving and, you know, getting a car and getting a dog. And it's a reminder that, you know, we have lives outside of our work and it all connects. And so, you know, sometimes we have to focus more on things that are happening in our lives. And sometimes we're focused more on things that are happening with our jobs. And, and always that reminder that it's all, it's all connected. So congratulations. A lot of, lot of uh, fun adventures happening in your life. So happy to hear it. Alexis. I'm going with controlled chaos. Um, I think that's just part of moving as y'all were, as we were talking about earlier. And um starting a new job and doing lots of different things. And so it's, there is that, that chaos piece of like everything's happening at once. And also there's the ability to plan and navigate and control what you can. Um, So I'm going with that. I mean, we can all, we can all relate to that. I love that controlled chaos for sure. Tamara. 
Um, my word this week is clarity. Uh, I just feel like I got all that clarity around a lot of the things that I'm working on and, and um, you know, planning and prioritizing. And whatnot. So uh, really great work, a, a really great week where I was able to kind of see the light at the end of the tunnel. Fantastic to hear as well. And I'll, I'll round this out and very a little bit similar to Alexis's word. I will say um, the opposite, which is release. You know, there was, I had a very, very busy week. So I have a lot of options for words that I could choose. Um, but it was, you know, exhilarating, but exhausting, uh, very much resonating with my week. But there were also some things that happened that just reminded me that there's a lot that you can't control and you have to just get comfortable with that. And you have to just make sure that you don't spend too much time stressing yourself out or getting anxious about the things that you can't control. And it was a good reminder, you know, to continue to move forward. And even as a leader, how I showed up for my team in some of those moments where it could have been very easy to get really stressed out and really intense and freak everybody out. But instead it was a matter of how are we going to progress forward? What can we control in this moment? But what do we need to just let go of and and not you know over index on trying to control too much, which really, you know, in some moments you just can't and it's just wasted energy at that point. And I just want to comment on that, Kelly. And I think that, you know, you were in this situation in this week with all the things you were dealing with is just the fact that all that we're going to talk about today and wrap up on is really about being in those moments where pressure is coming and there's a lot going on where we have to be really raise our, our level of consciousness and our awareness about how we're, how we're leading people, you know, whether we're really having diminishing tendencies or whether we're actually continuing to, to multiply up. And, and I think that that was, you know, oftentimes the challenge that many of us experience. But before you move on, I just want to share, um, Bernice had, had written that she, her word of the week, she can't join us because she's, I think, and, and if you need to, if you can join us later, let me know, Bernice, I'll bring you up. But she shared that hers is endurance. She's actually training for a marathon. Man, my hat's off to you. I don't think I could ever run that far, but hats off to you. Really happy for you, Bernice, and wish you the best in that endeavor. Yes, that's that's a huge one and fantastic. And thank you for sharing your your word um, for anybody who's in the, you know, always in the waiting room or in the hanging out and listening. We are happy to have you here and feel free to use the chat also if you have any questions or things you want to contribute, but but can't or prefer not to come off um, off mute. That is totally acceptable and totally get that, and especially on a Saturday. We all completely understand that we're in a different mindset. So thank you for sharing that and good luck with your training. That is a huge accomplishment and that's a, that's a big one to, to embark on. And I agree with you. That sounds monumental in my mind, but um, but congratulations and good luck. So I'm going to jump in to kind of, you know, the, what Tamara was hitting on, we've been talking about the multiplier book by Liz Wiseman for the last several weeks. And I think it's been, you know, a very interesting, you know, learning opportunity to really understand not only as we talk about, you know, what is a multiplier and what is a diminisher, but also what we came up recently, which is the idea of the accidental diminisher traits. So today we're going to kind of refresh and recap a lot of the themes that we've talked about. You know, we've learned a lot through our discussions and, you know, it's the idea that, you know, again, there's a lot of different potential everywhere. And a lot of what the multiplier does is about tapping into and unlocking the potential of those around them. And we know that the flip side of this is that diminishers can quite often stifle. And for many reasons, probably unintentionally um, stifle or, you know, de demotivate, disengage their teams. So it's the, again, back to the awareness of when these things happen, how we're showing up, and to understand what those triggers might be for both ourselves and for others, such that we can then navigate how we show up as leaders ourselves with the intention of multiplying up, but also remembering that we're never going to be in a state of perfection and it's not a black or white. Sometimes we are going to fall into diminishing you know, traits and aspects. And it's not about, you know, beating ourselves up or saying that I'll never show up as a diminisher, but it's about understanding what is happening that's causing that, both what might be happening in the environment, within the team, within yourself, such that, again, you can name it and you can move forward. So there's going to be a lot of us kind of refreshing what we've talked about. And I will break in this first section because I do want to, you know, plant the seed for everyone, which is as I recap where we've been, the journey that we've been on, you know, what does it mean to you know, be a multiplier. And I'm really gonna focus on the multiplier and instead of really focusing on the diminisher, I'm gonna go into the, the accidental diminisher um, attributes because I think that really resonated with a lot of folks. And then I'm gonna break and I would love to hear from the group of some of the things that stood out as you think back to the discussions that we've had or even what you hear in some of these traits and kind of what stands out to you 
or what elements you may want to focus on as you go forward. And then we're going to go into the back half of the meeting and discussion really to talk about, you know, what, um, what we can do to really become a multiplier and what are the accelerators that we can leverage as leaders today to start to move forward and fast track our learning and what culture we can really instill and invest in within our team. And so that's going to really be the, the discussion today, which I know is quite a bit, but hopefully as I go through this front you know, part, it's just, again, paying attention to some of the discussions that we've had and thinking about, again, maybe what you've learned in this journey, what's resonated with you, and even today, what maybe it might be showing up for you differently in your day-to-day. So when we think about the multiplier disciplines, you know, I want to remind everyone of the ones that we reviewed, which is the talent magnet, which is really about uncovering the native genius of others. And they really attract the highest performers, the most, you know, talented individuals. They are a magnet for them. But what's most important and the opposite of what a diminisher does is that they actually foster and unlock and invest in that talent versus taking that talent and stifling or trying to control it. So that's a really important point that we hit on for the multiplier. And the liberator is the other, another example. And they really create an environment that really requires concentration, diligence, energy, encourages people to think for themselves and experience a deep obligation to do their best work. Right? This is a big theme that we hit on with the multipliers is, is raising the bar that people want to operate in the, the best of their abilities. And that grows over time and shifts over time, but they are motivated to show up as their best selves and they are challenged equally to show up as their best self and challenger is the next one. So a challenger cultivates an, a, an environment and a culture that really engages teams to stretch beyond their limits, using their talent, their knowledge, their experience and intelligence as active participants. And I've worked with challengers many times in my careers and, and it's, it's a very uh, intimidating at times, but very rewarding experience to have someone push you out of your comfort zone and to try something new, to stretch in a different way. And then also the, the delight of realizing what more you might be capable of. And we have that ability as leaders to do that for those around us, for the teams that we work with. The next one is the debate, debate maker. And I love this one. This one we talked a lot about, which is, you know, the debate maker is focusing on really gaining knowledge from others. And so often what the debate maker does is create a culture and an environment that fosters healthy debates, challenging each other and challenging each other in a way that we are seeking to understand, listen and learn from often very opposing perspectives and and really starting, starting to teach our teams to welcome that when so often we're taught that disagreement is bad, conflict is bad. You know, everybody should always agree and get along. And instead, again, for us to show up as our best selves, for each of our teams to show up as their best selves, it means us challenging our perspectives, challenging how we've been thinking about something and finding a a different way potentially. And sometimes that means we even need to play the role of debating against ourselves, right? You always hear someone say that I'm going to play the devil's advocate, right? I'm going to debate myself and see if what I'm coming up with, what conclusion or recommendation is sound, or is there something else I'm not considering? And the last multiplier trait, you know, in discipline is really the investor. And this is another really important one, which is that the investor gives ownership for others, invests in their success, and it gives the ownership and accountability to them. You know, it's really interesting when we talk a lot about what we'll hit on in the accidental diminishers, you know, even when something's going on in a team, a team member might need your help. They might need your guidance. They might need your intervention. You know, as a leader, that is that is a huge part of the role of a leader, I believe, that we we can come in and help, you know, remove barriers. But it's really important that when you come in and help your team, that you give back the ownership. You may come in, provide some guidance, provide some course correction, but you don't stay in there keeping the ownership. Instead, you give it back, step back, and let that team continue to move forward. And I, I want to close this piece, this before I move into the accidental diminisher traits, by saying it's really important to remember, and we're going to hit on more of a kind of stats part of this, but when, when you look at the data, it's very clear that the multipliers get at least two times more out of their talent. They get much more out of their talent because of the different disciplines that I just went through and the way that they're fostering the growth for individuals, how they can move forward and really start to see what is capable of them 
what they are capable of, how they can grow into the next level, but then also how they might be able to show up in different ways. So I'll pause there. And if Tamara, you wanted to add something, so you come off the mute. I'm happy to pass the mic to you if you have something you want to add. Oh, I'm sorry. I I thought I was. I just wanted to make sure I was on mute because I coughed. So I <laughs> no, nothing to add. <laughs> um. Okay. Before I I break to hear from everyone on what's maybe standing out or resonating or what what might have resonated in this journey that we've been on or or what might be standing out from the refresh, is I want to go through the nine accidental diminisher tendencies. And again, I know personally this this area resonated probably the most with me because a lot of the things that we hit on feel like, oh, that's like a really, really great leadership trait. I should totally embody that. And then it's like, oh, actually, you mean that can be detrimental to your team at times. And again, it's that moment of learning and awareness. So I'm going to run through the nine um, accidental diminisher traits, how we accidentally show up with the best of intentions, but it can really actually have diminishing tendencies on our teams. So I'll start with the idea fountain. I definitely resonate with this one as well. You know, it's it's the leader that comes in and has so many ideas. It's, you know, excited, passionate, wants to come in, overflowing with ideas. That sounds amazing, right? These are usually innovative thinkers. They usually are, you know, big thinkers, but it can also be incredibly overwhelming to your team. If you just come in and you're constantly shooting off a bunch of ideas and, you know, in this moment of brainstorming constantly, it can require your team to really number one, chase a lot of your ideas that maybe they shouldn't be chasing quite yet because we're not to a point where it's, it's valid or, or been evaluated enough to know that we should move forward. So create a lot of, a lot of that schizophrenia around moving around through a lot of ideas. But also, if you come in with so many ideas all the time, it can really stifle your team sharing ideas. Both they may not fill their space to share their ideas, or they may start to be trained to believe that the ideas come from the leaders. So wait for the leader to give the ideas and then we'll move forward. So it's again, really important to just think about how these things can show up. The always on is the next one, you know, and this is another one. You might have a, a leader who is, you know, really dynamic and charismatic, big personality, commands a lot, you know, comes in, shares their point of view, but it can really be overwhelming to the team. You know, it can really be overwhelming and it really suppresses the introverts at your team. And it also will really promote your extroverts. So to really pay attention to, you know, even how you're showing up in the room and where the dialogue is going. And we've talked a lot and, and even through our multipliers, but in previous sessions that sometimes you, you have to really pay attention if there's only, you know, a few people speaking in the room, really tune into that. And if you find that you're one of the people that are the only people speaking in the room, really pay attention to that. The next one is rescuer. And I kind of lightly hit on this, which is the rescue has the best of intentions, right? They want success for their team. They want their team to have a positive impact and they want to protect their team. So when something's going wrong, they want to step in and help. They want to rescue their team from failure. They want to rescue them from, you know, the, the perception of a you know bad reputation or from having a hard challenge or a hard challenging situation. But again, this you can probably figure out really creates a dependency. You know, you're not allowing your team to fail and learn from that experience. And now, of course, as leaders, we want to make sure that we don't just let our team flounder if we see that there's something that maybe they should be doing and there's an intervention that we might be able to do, but how we intervene, right? How we, how we step in, how we guide them, how we coach them such that we're not going in and rescuing them all the time and that we're, we're robbing them ultimately of some really powerful learning opportunities. The next one is the pace setter. So the pace setter is an interesting one. We talked about it in leadership styles as well. So the pace setter is somebody who really sets really high standards of performance, creates a lot of momentum, uh, exemplifies org values, really, really leads by example. You know, but this is one where it can be really challenging for team members if they can't keep up. You know, it can create a lot of intention, you know, anxiety and tension within your team if someone does feel like they're not able to keep up with the, with the pace of the pace setter. And maybe they're trying to strive to that level, but they're just not there yet. And so they ultimately may give up. And that starts to widen, you know, where the pace setter might be and, and the rest of the team. So again, it's an area of, of making sure that you're modeling something, but you have to really involve your team and how you get them there so they don't get left behind. The rapid responder is the next one. 
And so the rapid responder wants to keep the org moving forward really fast. They really prize agility and fast turnaround. They love, you know, quick responses and troubleshooting and micro fast decisions. But the challenge here is that the the leader can very quickly become a bottleneck of decision making. You know, and again, what can happen too is that, you know, if they if the teams see their their leader being so incredibly involved in everything, it very quickly can turn into apathy. Um, and it's something that we have to just be a paying attention to and how involved we are in every single decision that's happening. The next one is the optimist. And as you see, a lot of these ones, that optimism sounds great, right? We should be optimistic leaders, right? Believe the team can do anything. They're smart. In the right mindset and hard work, anything can be accomplished. But often the challenge here is that the optimist can sometimes gloss over challenges and the hard work that's required. And the team may feel that the hard work is not recognized. And you know, this is important. And Tamara and I were just talking about this. Even when your team is accomplishing something or you as an individual are accomplishing something, it's really hard. You know, we forget, time goes by and we forget where we started. We forget what we've accomplished. And even the optimist, it's important that we remind our teams of their successes and what's possible, but acknowledge what we completed, what we accomplished already, what we've done, and really acknowledge the hard work that went into that without just focusing on the, the positive and the celebration moments, really also focus on, and even when we're giving our teams big challenges, acknowledge the hard work that's going to be required to get it done and that not everything will be perfect, as well as the fact that you know there might be a lot that's possible. And the next one is protector. So this is very similar to, to rescuer, which is that the protector is somebody who really wants to shield and buffer their team from the hazards of the organization. They don't want to allow their teams to see the problems that might be arising around them. But again, what we're going to talk about in the future is really about, you know, executive presence and how we show up and a lot of the interpersonal things that we have to deal with as leaders. And this is a really important aspect of this. And if we never train our teams to understand the dynamics of what's happening in the organization around them, it's going to make it very hard for them to be successful as a leader when we are no longer there to protect them. So the next one, there's two more, um, and then we'll break, and I'd love to hear from the room. The strategist. So, you know, the strategist is a big, big thinker. They cast a vision for the future. They're very evangelical. There's a zeal. There's a challenge. The status quo is really ingrained into this leader. But the challenge is that often with a strategist, too, you know, it can become very prescriptive, you know, and, and it's really hard to involve others in these visions, right, and making them a reality, you know, both again, and I think this one's very similar to even the, the earlier ones around the ideas and, and the idea generator is that, you know, sometimes it can just become really challenging to even feel involved in what this leader's bringing to the table and what's realistic and, and then start to become also very reliant on this leader where, well, all the strategy and all the big thinking comes from that leader. So I'm never going to really work on that myself. I'm never going to contribute my perspective. So understanding where your team might, again, disengage and step back. And the last one is the perfectionist and the perfectionism. So I think I definitely resonate with this. Something that I work on quite frequently, both as an individual and as a leader, want to produce the, uh, outstanding work, high standards, getting it exactly right. And this is an area that, again, can be really challenging as a leader because you want everyone to do their best work. But what can often end up happening is your team will feel criticized. They become disheartened. And this is as a leader, we have to challenge you know, sometimes our way is not the only way that something can be done and be done successfully. So I'm going to pause. I know I, I took you through a lot of information there about both the nine accidental diminisher tendencies and, and really taking you back through and refreshing you on what the five multiplier disciplines were. But I want to pause before I go into the next section on, you know, just what stood out to you as you both listen to this and maybe reflect back on the, the conversations we've had you know, as you thought about yourself and some of these things that have shown up around you. Okay, well, I'm going to jump in um, because I, I think, first of all, I want to kind of put a little framework around this, and that is that this is a ton of content we've tried to sort of summarize because, you know, this is like, you know, weeks and weeks of us talk, talking about it. But what come, what I want to share is that like when I look at the nine accidental diminisher tendencies, and this was a conversation that we went over 
two weeks ago, Kelly, right? So yeah, two weeks ago, and it, it is on Substack. Go listen to it if you have a ch- if you haven't listened to it already. It was really really powerful. But I mean, out of these nine accidental diminish diminisher tendency, I can resonate with with probably eighty percent of them at some time in my life as a leader that. You know, I, I can, and there's some that probably six or six of them I can think of that I probably pretty consistently do, you know, again, unintentionally, I tend to be somebody who has a lot of, a lot of energy, a high energy, and I'm somebody who has a lot of ideas, very visionary. And, and of course, I think that vision that's in my head, oftentimes I, I can see it because I'm a very visual thinker in my head, but I, I don't think it's always translated. And I can also rela- reflect on the pace, ma- the pace, the pace setter too, where, you know, it's like, you know, I, it, with the, all the ideas popping up, I see you can hear I'm on right now. Like I'm always on, like you guys want to probably turn me off right now, but it's like, that's the stuff that I that I have to really make sure I'm very cognizant about um, as a leader that I can resonate with. But I want to kind of go back to the fact that it all starts with awareness. It's not about perfection. You know, it's not about making sure you never, ever do any of these things because you're going to accidentally do these things from time to time. And it's also not about being uh, 100% on in all of the five uh, multiplier um, disciplines either. So it's, it's, it's kind of like striking a balance and, and you do that through uh, increasing your awareness and increasing your accountability for yourself you know, when you start to become aware and you pay attention to what you do, you may have a diminishing moment, but you learn from that moment and then you, you take action to shift it. And even if you, uh, hypothetically, you were a, uh, you're a protector, a lot of leaders are protectors. This is probably like nine out of 10 of us, you know, if not all of us want to shield and buffer our teams from, you know, other people who might be coming against us or potentially going to influence our team or criticize their work or whatever it is, Uh, you know, it's natural for as a leader to want to buffer your team. But, you know, you can take one of these or maybe two of these and try to begin to really experiment with it, with yourself or even with your team or other leaders under you. And that can be significant progress without going after everything. Okay, I'm going to be quiet and let other people talk. So I um, kind of noticed something that stuck out to me, and I love what you're saying, Tamara, but I, to me, like some of these um, accidental diminishers in my leadership have really surfaced when I'm working for a diminisher, um, particularly rescuer, uh, protector, perfectionism, those kinds of things where, and I know we talked about this last week, where you're like in the middle and you're serving as a buffer. Um, but those are responses uh, that I've had. Um, and then you kind of get used to acting in that space in some ways. And so I agree that it's like that awareness piece has to come back um, when you leave or or the leader above you changes or whatever. Um, but I just thought that was fascinating because to me, some of these are reactions um, to an environment. So that is such, yeah, that's yeah. like a huge point, Alexa. I love that you said that because I think you're absolutely right. And that like absolutely definitely sparks in my brain of when I know that I've shown up in these ways is, oh yeah, I think I'm probably doing that because I'm trying to offset working with, with or for a diminisher. And I think you well said, which is when you find that happening, it's not that you're doing the wrong thing as a leader. That might be very necessary given the state of what's going on around you or above you right? But it's being aware of why you are doing it so that you can adjust in the future where needed and don't fall into the trap of always operating within that way. Yeah. Intentional versus um, unintentional. Yeah. Yeah. I think I I had some of the same observations, you know, you mentioned awareness, Tamara, you know, and I think, you know, for me, what was really powerful about the accidental diminisher was taking inventory of some of those behaviors that I have exhibited, um, and just you know it's a good opportunity it's another another way it's another opportunity for me to sort of reflect um today to see where i'm at i'm in a new role and um, to reflect and better understand okay uh, what are some of the behaviors i'm exhibiting and then what are some of the outcomes i'm seeing and is there an opportunity you know um to make some adjustments and learn a little bit more about what's going on um and then uh, what alexis mentioned you know as well just really hit home too and 
having worked for a diminisher and, and seeing like how that impacted me and um, subsequent relationships having and when moving on and having to really work hard to sort of unwind that um, impact that that had on me personally. Thank, mm -hmm. Thanks for that, Chuck. And I just want to also, um, uh, again, when, when I asked, when I, when I mentioned something about the notes and the replay on this on our Substack website, uh, which was two weeks ago, it was called The Accidental Diminisher. Um, if you go back in there and, and listen to that content, it'd be very helpful. But I also want to remind people that if you're really curious about this, maybe you're hearing this for the first time or you're kind of reflecting on this as we re, you know, recap and review what we've learned, is there is a great, you can go to the Wiseman uh, website and they have a three-minute quiz that you can take that will give you some, in, some insights on where you may have Axel, excuse me, accidental diminisher tendencies. And the beautiful, I actually did this to test it out before I told you guys about it, but it gives you a, a really wonderful summary. And they actually also offer you, um, they give you an explanation of where, what, what it is, what the, say the protector is, which I'm looking at right now. It tells you about what the intention is, what the outcome is, and then they give you recommendations. And they also give you resources that you can use as a leader to maybe look at how you might lead in a different way. So just wanted to remind you guys of that. And you can once again find that on the Substack website um, under the Accidental Diminisher. Great, and I can, I'll add that to the, the resources again as referenced this week so everybody can find it pretty easily. Um, all right, so the second half of the conversation, this has been you know fantastic already. I wanna talk a little bit about some maybe slightly new content. Um, as we kind of wrap up, you know, when we really dig into this book, The, the Multiplier, and, and I'm gonna talk more about becoming the multiplier. And this is gonna be inclusive of these five accelerator, you know, that we can leverage for fast track learning. And then we're gonna talk a little bit about the culture that you can be really focusing on and, and starting today to, to you know, start to maybe introduce into your teams. And so as we go into the five accelerators, you know, for, for fast track learning, you know, again, I'm gonna introduce these and then I will pause and I would love to hear from the room of, you know, how some of these resonate, how they sit with you, some of the things that maybe stand out um, as we kind of go through this. And, you know, the first one is really uh, very frequently, you know, it's, it's, you know, there's a lot of similar themes as you'll, you'll see in this, which is, the number one accelerator you can do is, is start start with assumptions. You know, when we start to really talk about, you know, both self-awareness, when we start to, you know, talk about self-reflection, you know, we really also have to just understand, you know, that behaviors follow assumptions. So there's a whole lot of, you know, behaviors that you can really focus on and adjust based, based on a, a, adopting the multiplier mindset. And, you know, when we think about, and I'll give you an example, you know, you think about the multiplier's assumption versus the diminisher's assumptions. So if you think about the talent magnet, for example, right, a diminisher may see and have the assumption that people need to report to me in order for them to do anything. They got to come talk to me and get my approval, get my guidance in order to move forward, no matter how talented that person might be, how capable, how intelligent. Um, whereas the multiplier might look for the individual genius and involve them in the key work and welcome their contribution and ideas. And there's examples of all of these within each one of the disciplines that I went through and I'll include those in the recap. Um, but it's really understanding, you know, what assumption are you going into and starting to really pay attention to that. What are you assuming about an individual or a situation and starting to pay much more attention to that versus operating with this kind of reactionary, just, you know, constantly going and not really checking in. And it's a really you know, good way for us to start to really understand as a multiplier, you know, what's, what's driving our behavior and how we're showing up. Again, back to self-reflection, what are the core assumptions we might be operating within? And do they feel like they're a diminishing or a multiplying opportunity, which often means that we give more space um, to our teams and empower them to unlock that genius around them. Accelerator two is work with extremes. So, I really loved this as, as Tamara pulled this together, that this is a fantastic fact that, that there was a, an evaluation of leaders ratings based of effectiveness based on strengths. So it says that leaders with no distinguishing strength, right? That nothing that stands out specifically as a leadership strength were rated 34% effective as leaders. 
leaders with one, only one distinguishing strength were rated 64% effective. And then one of, you know, really understanding that if you think about adding in now a leader with two, three, or four would jump to 72%, 81%, and 89% respectively. It's really important. What I loved about this is you don't have to, to be a successful leader, master everything. You can be incredibly effective as a leader by really focusing on mastering a very small number of skills and really instead maybe focusing on what are those, what are those weaknesses that might be stopping you? How do you neutralize those weaknesses to understand how to turn them into strength, but, not, but knowing that you can't turn everything into a strength? and really understanding how you can invest in the strength that you want to be focused on. And, and we talked, again, I talked to Tamara about this recently as we were before the call. And even when we went through leadership styles, it's really easy to think that, well, I absolutely want to be the innovative leader, or I want to be the, the big idea leader, because that sounds really cool and exciting. But we all have inherent strengths within us. And all of us need to show up in the best of our ability, the best version of ourselves, because we complement our teams in different ways. And that's where inclusivity is really important in welcoming diverse perspectives, because we all bring something different to the table. The talent magnet welcomes the strongest, best, you know, most intelligent, you know, highly skilled people to their team. And what we do is we unlock and invest in them continuing to show up in their best version of themselves, not that we need to now become who they are. So it's, again, important as we think about self-reflection that we make sure that we don't try to become all things, right? We don't try to solve all weaknesses. Instead, we really focus in on what matters the most and what's most impactful for who we are and how what's going to be the most beneficial for both our goals and the goals of our team. Number three is run and experiment. And we know this, and if you don't, you know, they say that there's, you know, psych psychology and studies will always reinforce that it takes 60 days of concentrated effort to form a new habit. So what we're recommending here is as you are thinking about and reflecting on areas where you want to learn or adjust as a leader, start with, uh, with an experiment. Start with using some new approaches. Again, don't try to do all of them at once. Pick some, pick a few, pick one if you need to. And over the next 30 days, start to implement that, that new tactic, run an experiment, see how it's working. Maybe start a journaling practice to really, you know, pay attention to how is it working? What are you learning? What's not working? Where do you need to adjust? And for 30 days, really spend time reflecting and strategizing around this new habit so that again, you're being very intentional about how you're spending your time and what you're focusing on. There's two more that I will break. So I want to hear how the, what, how these are sitting with the room as well. Brace yourself for setbacks is number four. And so again, as we talk about try, not trying to be all things to everyone or trying to be the leader of all the traits and the no weaknesses, right? Our perfectionists or high performers, we all want to be all things. You can't be all things. You have to really brace yourself. There, there will be setbacks. There will be things that don't work. There will be things that you try that actually maybe become much more of a diminishing trait. And you're wondering, why did I even try that? But it's really important that we try new things that we, we, again, we invest in our own learning and exploration as leaders and embrace that when something doesn't work, that we are learning from that, that we are giving ourselves permission to stumble as we try new things, create new behaviors, create new habits, and move and really transform our older, our older habits and recognize that it will be hard, right? Go back to what we talked about earlier, right? You know, the optimist, it's possible. It's possible for us to do this. It doesn't mean that it won't be hard. And the last one, the fifth accelerator is ask a colleague. And, you know, we talk a lot about the power of your network, the power of your board of directors, the power of trusted people around you that maybe both work with you, maybe they're trusted colleagues, maybe they're friends. But you really want to surround yourself with people that you can then talk to, that know you, that can give you feedback um, as you're going on this journey, as you're trying new things, as you're developing new habits, as you're practicing more self-awareness that you have those feed, those folks that will give you that honest feedback, that they're going to challenge you to, to hold yourself to a higher level. And when you set out to try something new, they're going to continue to check in with you to see how it's going and that you, again, have a safe place and someone that you can go to that's going to help you really continue to tune and really look inward and understand what's working or not and where those accidental diminisher tendencies might be showing up for you and knows that you have good intentions and will give you that feedback so that you can change and you can grow. 
So a lot of a lot of information there. So I'm going to pause there. I would love to hear from the room, like what stood out, and then our last section I'll hit on, which is just you know the multiplier um, the multiplier culture and what some of the things that we can do today with our teams. Okay, I'll jump in. So, um, you know, I think, I think a lot of, you know, there's a lot here. There's a lot here. And actually, if you all have the book, one other thing I would, and I'll try to see if I can somehow maybe scan this so that Kelly can post it on the website. But the, the Multipliers book by Liz Wiseman on page uh, 340 through 341, it's really nice because she lays out um, a lot of different experiments that you can do and what the accidental diminishing tendencies that may come up for that. For example, if you, if you're making space for mistakes, you're trying to define, you know, this, you know, where people can experiment, take risks and recover from mistakes, you know, the, the accidental diminishers in this example would be the rescuer might come out or the optimist or the protector or the perfectionist. And it's really a nice way, uh, a great tool for a leader to be able to have that, that when you maybe see yourself in a situation and you're experimenting, you can see those areas or those tendencies that you might need to pay closer attention to. And, and then the other thing I wanted to mention as well, and I, and, and I really invite um, both uh, Chuck and Alexis in on this, on this coaching piece is really, first of all, Alexis, you really hit on, you know, being reactive versus being proactive. And, and again, that, that higher level of consciousness and awareness as a leader, you know, I would really, you know, I would really encourage leaders to, when they're in a moment, when they find themselves maybe exhibiting diminishing, um, tendencies or, or even, as you said, Alexis, reacting to a situation um, is, is, to, is to ask yourself, why, why are you feeling the way you are? Or why are you thinking the thoughts that you're thinking? Because that can tell you a lot because it, you know, a lot of the things that we've talked about as well is about things are sometimes fear-based. Um, sometimes things are about, you know, if I speak up, is it gonna damage my reputation? Or, you know, there's lots of reasons why leaders react certain ways because they have these um, um, uh, maybe limiting beliefs or assumptions or interpretations about what might help. But as you get to know yourself more, who you are, what you value and how what the impact is that you're having on uh, on everyone around you, as well as yourself as a leader can be um extremely powerful in the in the process of changing because you realize that some of those things that let's just go back to if it's fear-based or if it's a interpretation or an assumption you know it may not even be based in reality it's just simply assumption with no um, evidence that any of that is going to help and so you know really those small steps really equal great progress even if you just make a small step you know each week that can be huge progress for you and, and I think it's, and another thing I want to throw out is consideration around, I've heard a lot of leaders and I've done it as well, is like, oftentimes they'll reflect at the end of the day. Like, even if you took five minutes and said, what did I do really well today? And what, what, where, where might I want to focus on um, continuing to build that muscle for how to catch myself and, and, and maybe change my, um, my actions or my thoughts or how I'm speaking to people. So just a couple of thoughts I had. I would add, um, and I would totally agree that asking yourself what's going on is so vital. And I'm, it made me think of a conversation I had recently with a client, a coaching client who is a COO of a company and was having some issues with the company's owner because she caught wind that, that he had said something about her and she was furious. You know, it, it, it was fairly personal, et cetera. And so in that conversation where we got to was instead of having a conversation where you're like um, rehashing what someone did or didn't say, how can you use it as an opportunity to identify what you need and ask for it? And Kelly, this kind of speaks to what you were saying. One of the things she realized she needs is I need a boss who assumes good intent. And so can you go to that person who either is a diminisher or acted as a diminisher in some way and say, look, here's what I need from you. Are you able to do that? Right. Instead of having a conversation where it's like he said, she said, or where you get into the weeds. Um, and I thought that might be relevant here too, is what, what do I need in this moment and what can I ask for? 
um, and why is this happening all together can maybe get to some solution. Yeah, I love that. I think yeah. on multiple levels of what you just, you hit on Alexis, which is both knowing what you need and <laughs> Tamara and I talk about this all the time, which is, you know, one of the big, big principles, I think for, for leadership. And we'll talk more about this in the future about is sometimes knowing what you need and knowing what to ask for that's going to help you be successful, you know, which is in and of itself a whole, a whole talk. Right. But I think the idea of assuming positive intent is a really powerful one holistically as well. And it sometimes really allows us to step back and, and often we talk about not taking things so personally all the time. And sometimes if we step back for a moment and really try to understand what might be really going on at the core, um, it can help us move out of a space of he said, she said, or rehashing, and instead trying to understand what was the intention behind this action, um, which is a much more powerful place to, to operate from. But equally to your point, also understand, you know, what might be happening around you that needs to change as you think about what's important for you in a leader, in a culture, in a team, so that when you're making future, you know, decisions about your career growth, you're making really informed decisions. Yeah, and I, I just wanted to add, you know, I, one of the things that I thought was really powerful was um, going through some of these accelerator opportunities and thinking about um, the experiments um, and then also how powerful it is that if you have like a distinguished strength. And I think if you, you know, if you sort of ask yourself a question as if you're, re, you know, reflecting, I think a good coaching question and you're trying to figure out where do I go? I think a good question is um, what, how can I utilize one of my strengths, you know, to build an experiment to move the team forward in, in a particular um, way or shape or form? So, um, because I think that's just a terrific way to sort of um, strength-based coaching is is so powerful. Um, there's just, um, you know, our the clients um, in in just in general when we're in leadership and we're focusing on a strength-based sort of performance approach. Um, it's so powerful because people are engaged. Um, they're passionate about their strengths. Um, and um, if you continuously try to uh, focus on, you know, what people aren't good at, um, there's probably more questions to ask um, at that point. Yeah, fantastic point. I really appreciate that. And and Chuck, if you have anything that, that you can share offline with me for, strength-based leadership, I would love to include that in the resources for folks sure. to get a little smarter on, on that. That is a principle of what they can, they can start to really dig into. Hey, Kel, I just also wanted to uh, just remind people that remember, we've talked about the multiplying up, you know, to your point, Chuck, too, is that, you know, sometimes we think about diminisher tendencies and we focus on that. But when we're, when we're dealing with, say, a diminishing situation like what, you know, uh, Alexis was sharing, is a lot of times it's about how you respond to that situation. And we talked about that last week in the, um, the whole conversation about multiplying up and how you actually respond in that situation. We talked, I just talked a little bit about examining your own thoughts and feelings and, and how you're reacting and why you're reacting the way you are. But then there's also these actions as, as a leader that you can take that are, that, that can multiply up and, and keep you in a, in a, in a better in a better frame of mind and you may be able to influence that diminisher or you're going to uh, influence others around you. Absolutely. All well said. And, and I'm going to shift us slightly as we start to wrap up. We're already in our, our last eight minutes. The time always flies by and I, I, I really appreciate all the, the dialogue and conversation um, around this topic, but I want to hit on very lightly and I'll include more references in the, in, the, in the recap online, but to really just touch on building a multiplier culture, because a lot of what we've been talking about are very much the dynamics of, of how we interact with our team, but there's more that we can be doing you know, as we invest in a culture, and culture being a way of thinking, behaving, or working, right? Thinking about the deep level, layers and levels of culture, shared language and behavior, and what are the things that really affect the deeper cultural elements, which is, you know, the rituals and the norms. And, you know, it's really important when you think about, you know, and quite frequently I, I talk about this in my work, which is, you know, what are you trying to instill as a culture at, you know, the, the higher level? Or if you think about 
the 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 deep levels, right? Which is where the comfort zones are when things get hard. Where do people kind of, you know, end up navigating back to because it's, you know, when things get challenging, we tend to go back to what we feel comfortable with and what we feel is is the norm for us. So how do we start to shape that, name that, understand what that is as our dynamic of our team? And I'm not gonna spend a lot of time going through there's there's actually 10 different practices that that we can actually go through, but I'll hit them lightly, which is I think really powerful because they're very accessible and things that we can be doing immediately. And the first one is really, you know, this idea of common language and how do you really start to align and name and pay attention to the words and the phrases that hold common meaning and really shape and inform the opinions and the dynamics of principles and values. And so this can be as simple as if we're thinking about this, this multiplier conversation, you know, introduce the multiplier book, you know, hold a book talk bring teams together, talk about the accidental diminishers, right? We as leaders have a role of teaching our teams and naming these things and understanding that we are on that journey with our team. And so the first two are really just in that area of starting to have a dialogue. You know, the second area is really this learned behavior, right? Understand this set of learned responses to stimuli. Back to my point of when when challenged, people go back to their comfort zones. They go back to what they know and they start to throw away those new habits they might be building because they're trying to survive or get through a challenging situation. So introduce the multiplier mindsets, teach and talk about the multiplier mindsets and skills and try to fuse that within daily decisions, right? So it's everything that we've been doing in the last several weeks, name, understand the multiplier traits and, and, and really understand how you can start to embody them in the day-to-day and understand when you are or when you are not embodying them and start to bring your team along on that journey with you. The third area is shared beliefs, acceptance of something as true and really codifying a leadership ethos. So this is instilling really this clarity of what constitutes good leadership, really what holding people accountable and helping them to uphold these beliefs and practices and that they're rewarded when they do. And this is so powerful because again, you know, one of the big reasons that Tamara and I started this group, you know, this club is because we saw that there was such a lack of intentional leadership training. People were learning by trial and fire. They were learning from possibly diminishers and carrying that torch forward. So how do we get more intentional about what does it mean to be a successful leader? What does it mean to have a multiplier mindset as a leader and starting to really teach our teams and pay attention to teaching our teams that so that they can be good leaders, but they can also train the next leaders on their own team. And then the other area, there's only two more. One, the, the, the second to last area is heroes and legends. People are admired or idealized for their qualities and behaviors, their achievements, and the stories about heroic and admirable actions. This is where we really have to acknowledge and spotlight those multiplier moments and measurement, measurement of managers. This is where feedback, right? Year in review time is coming up right now at my company. And again, Tamara, I just talked about this as we were prepping a lot of different topics around today of, you know, the idea that these these practices, you know, exist for a reason, but often we don't leverage them to the, the a level that we can. They become a checkbox. Instead, how are we celebrating multiplier moments? And then how are we thinking about going back and the measurement aspect of that? Where are we today? Where can we be better? And how, again, are we being intentional in naming that and creating an action plan together with our team members to take them forward into that growth, right? How they can become more of a multiplier, how they can really start to acknowledge their accidental diminisher traits, how they can move forward and acknowledge their weaknesses and where they have room to grow so that, again, they become a successful leader and potentially surpass us as leaders. I always think that's one of the best successes we can have as a leader is aspire to people surpassing where we are. And the last one is rituals and norms, right? So we talk about the deep cultural aspect, right? What is the consistent behavior regularly followed by an individual or a group? It now becomes ingrained. It is a part of the everyday and it is almost done naturally without having to pay attention to it quite so much. But this is where we can really pilot our multiplier practices, you know, going back to the experiment, try something, start to introduce these things and integrate these practices into business metrics. Back to the year end review moment, right? How are we tying back the way that you show up as a leader, the ways you show up as a team member? How is that impacting the team performance? And how is that contributing to the business? And really, again, starting to connect that all the way through, grounding very much in the why, why these rituals are important, why these behaviors are important, both for individuals 
and for teams. So I'll pause. I gave a lot of information there and I would love to know if there's any immediate standout reactions to things that, that stood out to you in this conversation around really how we can start to build a conversation and a culture that focuses on the multiplier mindset, growth, learning, and development within this area. You know, I, I think that it's, I don't know if any of you felt this way, but I just kind of want to share that, you know, again, Kelly, great recap on what our purpose and our passion was around, you know, starting this clubhouse, which we continue to carry forth. And, uh, you know, we always hope that we're just, even if we're making, if we make a difference in one person's life, we're making a difference. But sometimes this can be very overwhelming. But, if you know, just to remember um, that, you know, it, just the smallest movement can make a difference in how you lead and you don't always really even realize you know the impact you're having on people around you you may some people will tell you the impact you have around around the people around you will tell you that impact but many won't but if we can just you know keep you know doing our very best as leaders you know that that's what it's what it's all about making a difference and then the other piece is really about you know, it, everything is changing in the world. And, and Alexis and I was rec were recently talking about this, as well as Kelly and I, about the fact that things are very different in the world right now. You know, you have this whole, you know, the the uh, great resignation and you have, we were talking about the quiet quitters, the people that are have become apathetic or, you know, uh, disenchanted at work because they're under, you know, multiply, I mean, excuse me, diminisher tendencies and things of that nature. But if we all, if we try, if, if we do our best and try to influence others around us and share those cultural, those things within our teams and stuff and try to shift that culture, we can actually make a pretty big, um, we can, we can have a big, um, what am I trying to say, Kelly, thumbprint on, you know, what on the, on the changing or um, influencing the impact we have as leaders. Yeah, I totally agree. And, and very well said. And as we get to the end of this, conversation again i think there's a lot that we we can do and i think to your last point there you know tamara about you know the thumbprint right that the, the impact you can have and the ripple effect and and really knowing that you know as we talked about frequently multipliers are known to really unlock you know so much than their teams and people will give you more and it's that's we can spend a whole other time and if anyone's interested let us know we can spend time talking about the quiet quitter movement and what's going on i think it's incredibly related to the diminisher tendencies and what's actually going on there and it's about the leader. It's not about actually these people just not wanting to work. Um, and I think, you know, it's really important that you know that people will give you more when you really think about, you know, embodying this, this multiplier mindset and, and tendencies. And it matters very much to the org that you work for. And it matters to the world at large, right? Again, that ripple effect of what you do today might impact many people that never tell you directly, but know the way that you're showing up can impact your direct team as well as the, lar the org at a much larger um, again, you know, profound impacts that you may not see either even today and down the line. So recognize the opportunity that you have as a leader and, and the idea that multiplier principles allow you to reinvent yourself and your org and what would happen if you led differently. So I'll pause there and let Tamara close this out. Tamara, you might be on mute. Okay, hold on. Tamara was having tech difficulties. Sorry about that. <laughs> All right. So really, really great discussion. And again, I always love the input because, you know, we want to hear, you know, thoughts. We want to hear challenges that people are, are having at work and then try to address those, you know, with this group of, of this network of great leaders that are in here with lots of experience and knowledge. But the closing challenge, I want to kind of create this closing challenge for each of you to think about, you know, in the coming weeks or days as a leader is, first of all, recognize the opportunity that's in your hands as a leader, what you can do, the impact you can have, how powerful it can be. And then use those multiplier pr principles to reinvent yourself and realize it also reinvents your org ultimately over time. And imagine what'll happen if you actually do lead differently. If you start to apply these, you know, just imagine what might, be, what would it look like in a, in a month? What would it look like in a, you know, in a year? And imagine what would help it, ha imagine what would happen if all the leaders in the world took one step to stop the diminishing tendencies and, and start to be, to, to multiply, to be a multiplier, to grow people around them. You know, so one, one person, it's one person and it becomes a community and then it becomes a collective and then it becomes something that we can almost imagine what, what a different 
what a different environment it would be if leaders led in a different way. And remember, like I said, I, I said it earlier, small steps equals great progress. And so the closing quote I have for you guys today, it's from um, uh, Bono and it's, um, it says, it has been said that after a meeting with the great prime minister, Ewart Gladstone, you left feeling that he was the smartest person in the world. But after meeting with his rival, Benjamin Disraeli, you left thinking you were the smartest person. And that's the whole multiplier mindset. That's the whole multiplier um, culture. And so with that, I hope this was a beneficial conversation discussion. It certainly was for me. Um, again, I thank you for taking time out of your weekend today to be with us on the call. Um, we are going to be bringing some really exciting new content forward. Um, we're going to do a lot of uh, a lot of heavy work in September, and then we may be doing some breaking in October. So looking forward to continuing to to grow ourselves as leader as we're leaders as we're on this journey journey together and go out and enjoy your weekend, everyone. And thanks once again for being here. Thank you, everyone. Bye, everyone. Thank you. Have a great weekend. Thank you. Have a great weekend.